Well, welcome to our service this morning, and I trust we'll know the Lord's blessing as we worship together. Let us begin by singing to God's praise in Psalm 95, and that's in Sing Psalms on page 126. Uh, O come, let us joyfully sing to the Lord, to the rock of salvation. Let us raise our voice, let us come before him, expressing our thanks. Let us, with a loud singing, praise him and rejoice. The whole psalm to God's praise. in prayer together. Let us pray. 
Eternal Father, we thank you for these words that we have just been singing. We thank you for the encouragement to come and joyfully sing to the Lord, to the rock of salvation. Let us raise our voice. Lord, we have every reason to raise our voice <coughs> in praise and adoration to you, O Lord. What a privilege. What a, an amazing privilege we have in being able to call upon your name in prayer and also to be able to speak to you and knowing that you hear and delight to hear us when we call to you in prayer. So our longing this morning is, as we gather here collectively to worship you, is that each one of us present here might have a felt sense of your presence. We know the evil one is prowling around like a roaring lion and he would want to distract us in our worship this morning. But we pray that you would help us to lay aside all these thoughts and distractions that often come in with us when we gather to worship. And we pray that they would be banished from our hearts and minds so that we might be able to focus our whole being on what it is we are doing this morning, worshipping a thrice holy God. So Lord, grant us that reverence that we ought to have as we come into your presence. That reverence we have because we realize who it is we are approaching. The God who created this universe by the word of his power. The God who sustains the universe by that same power. And we thank you that you are a God who is all powerful. And as we focus our attention this morning upon this amazing relationship we have as your children with you. We are united to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. What an amazing thought for us that is. And as we open up your word this morning to appreciate what that means for each one of us who are Christians here today. Lord may it resonate with us in a way that would give to us a renewed passion for Christ likeness. Lord, we need the stimulus of your spirit continually because we realize that we're in a warfare and we realize that the evil one will do anything he can to hinder us as Christians in this dark and sinful world, sapping our energy, testing us and questioning whether we have the right to address you in prayer when we have because we are in, a, we are in an amazing position as your children to be joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, help us to realize and appreciate what it means for us today to be in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he willingly came into this world, adding to his person humanity in order for him to be our saviour. He had to add humanity to his person in order for him to die, because in his divinity he couldn't die. But we thank you that he voluntarily, volitionally went to that cursed cross at Calvary. And we thank you that there he bore the sins of his people. Those who were given to him in electing love from, from all eternity, before the world was created. Whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Lord, we thank you that he voluntarily uh, went into death. He wasn't killed by these soldiers. He gave himself unto death. And we thank you today that we look to a Savior who is not in a grave, but who is a Savior who has risen and who is now at the right hand of the majesty on high, where he is making continual intercession for us. What a great Savior. Oh Lord, help us to appreciate the work that Jesus does at the right hand of the Father. For he is continually working as our intercessor. 
and we couldn't have a better intercessor than Jesus Christ the righteous. What a great advocate he is. So help us to appreciate afresh these great truths that are there for us in scripture to grapple with and to enable us to have strong faith, to have deep love, to have a reasonable hope. Oh Lord, help us then as we focus upon your word today. Speak to us through it. May your Holy Spirit teach us and we pray that you would help us, O oh Lord, to be the people that you have called us to be in this dark and sinful world, to be bright lights shining forth. You have called us to be children of the day, not of the night and of darkness. So, Lord, help us to let our light so shine forth before men that they might see our good work and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So we pray then that you would bless us to that end this morning. We pray that you would bless this congregation. We thank you for them. And we pray for your servant over them, that you would strengthen him, uphold him, and keep him in these days. Lord, we pray for the congregation today as well. Because we realize that a congregation who are mourning over the loss of loved ones and over the loss of leaders within the congregation. So we pray for the families of uh, Ricky McRae. We pray for Alan Ruothi and we pray that you would be with them, that you would strengthen them, uphold them. And as we seek also your help and strength for uh, the family of Tommy Cook as well and for the, these memories that we have of them. Lord, we pray for Mary and for Joan and for Anne and their families and we pray that you would indeed fill that void that is in their lives with your own presence. Lord, you are the one who knows how to bend without hurting for you are indeed the Bam of Gilead. Also, may they be conscious of your presence and may the congregation also be conscious of your presence with them and we pray that you would fill these vacancies within the congregation with many more coming into the congregation so we pray that you would bless them we pray for any who are here this morning who has yet to not know you as Lord and Saviour Lord, we pray that you would speak to them too through your word. That they might realize that they are in a, in, a, in a position where your word tells them they are doomed to a lost eternity. And Lord, we pray that you would bring them to that place where you brought us. A place of repentance. Where you, where like the publican of old, we were beating upon our breasts and crying, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. May they be brought to that place of desperation and may they realize for themselves the preciousness of Jesus and his salvation. So we pray your blessing upon us then this morning. We also pray for this, our denomination as well. We thank you for our denomination. And we thank you for the encouragement of the past assembly. And we thank you for the reports that were given to us of these new churches that have been established in various places. And we pray for them. And we pray especially for the, con the new congregation of our own part here in Torna Green. And we pray for Innes as he uh, preaches your word there and reaches out into that community. And we pray that they would thrive in the days to come. So Lord, we pray that you would bless us as a denomination and help us to grow and to reach out for this nation of Scotland. We also pray for... Our, uh, those in authority over us your word commands us to pray for those in authority over us so we pray for our parliamentarians and our leaders in various uh, capacities and we pray that you would give them great wisdom in these days Lord we realize we're living in dark days and it's little wonder that we are reaping what we've been sowing these past years your word tells us very clearly that it is righteousness that exalts a nation and Lord, we've been experiencing laws placed on our statute books, which are holy against your law. And we pray that you would raise up men and women in our government who would stand up against these laws, and that we might see your word again on the statute book of our land. Righteousness alone exalts a nation. And we, sin destroys nations. And we're seeing that so clearly throughout the world. And today we pray especially for the situation in Russia. Lord, we were all shocked yesterday when we saw what was happening with the Wagner Group. A wicked organization which is operating throughout the world causing chaos. Oh Lord, we pray that you would take to task those who are persecuting your people. People who are creating war for their own ends. Lord, have mercy. And we pray that you would take them to task. And we pray too as we are commanded to do your word. To pray for all leaders. But we pray especially for today for the persecuted church. We realize that many in these war torn nations. And in other nations have been persecuted 
for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. Lord, strengthen their faith. Uphold them and keep them. And we pray, Lord, that they will have influence for good upon those who are persecuting them. So, Lord, hear us as we pray this morning. Bless our children here. We thank you for them. We pray for the camps that are about to take place within our denomination. Lord, bless these young folk as they grow up in difficult and trying times. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would bless all the camp leaders and give them wisdom as they instruct our children in these days to come. So bless us now and go before us the remainder of this service. Lord, help us to focus upon who it is we are worshipping. Our great God and our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, have mercy upon us and forgive our sins, we pray. Amen. And I believe it's the children's talk. We're going to be focusing this morning on the Apostle Paul. Probably one of the greatest Christians that walked this world. Um, But before Paul was given his name Paul... I wonder if anyone can tell me what his name was before he was called Paul. Anybody? Can you tell me? Saul of Tarsus, yes. Saul of Tarsus. But can you also remember the name of the man who was ready to die for the Lord Jesus in order that Saul of Tarsus might become a Christian. Anybody? His name was Stephen, wasn't it? His name was Stephen. Now when he was being stoned to death, Saul of Tarsus was actually watching them doing that. And apparently he was holding the cloaks of those who were persecuting Stephen and putting him to death. I think Saul of Tarsus, as he was looking at Stephen, must have realized this man must really love Jesus because he was dying for Jesus. What a love he must have. I wonder if that's what he really thought I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case because later on Saul of Tarsus was walking along the road with two others on the road to Damascus and a bright light shone and he fell on his knees and he heard a voice speaking to him and that voice was Jesus Stephen was prepared to die so that Saul may well become a Christian. Years later, Saul changed his name to Paul and he too was prepared to die so that others would come and know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And as we will see this morning, Paul, through God's word, is still speaking to us bringing men and women, boys and girls, to a knowledge of Christ. I don't suppose that people today will stone us, children, adults. We're living in a fairly peaceful world and we're thankful for that in Great Britain. But if you're a Christian today, and especially if you're a Christian as a child, and as a young person... My granddaughter was converted about four or five months ago and she went on a school trip and on that school trip she realized how important it was to stand up for Jesus. She was saying these people were mocking me, they were teasing me, they were doing all sorts of things to try and make me change my mind about Jesus. That might be what's happening with you kids in school. Because they know you're coming to church. They might know you're coming to Sunday school. And sometimes people can be very nasty. But let us take a lesson from the Apostle Paul. Who was a person who loved Jesus. He loved him so much that he was prepared to die for him. I don't suppose we'll be brought to that place. I hope not. 
but it could ever could happen. But what he is telling us in this word today, children and adults as well, is that we need to be brave in this day in which we're living in. We must be bold as Christians, and we must not let our lights hide under a bushel. And if you're children and you love Jesus, you stand up for Jesus because Jesus will stand up for you. Because maybe if you stand up for Jesus, one day, like the Apostle Paul, you might be the one who will bring one of these people who have been nasty to you to come to realize that Jesus is the best person to know, to love, and to live for. So children, remember this. It is never too soon to come to know Jesus. Because we know it's never too soon to die. And I would encourage you as children and parents to teach your children the importance of loving the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Paul is a tremendous example and we will see that as we look at the, uh, as we look at the adult service at that this morning. So let us pray with the children. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for us and for giving courage to Stephen and to Paul. Please give courage and strength to each one of us. Make us brave enough to be your witnesses. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let us now sing to God's praise in Psalm number 18. That's in the Scottish Psalter at verse 28. The Lord will light my candle so that it shall shine full bright. The Lord my God will also make my darkness to be light. God's word in the letter of Paul to the Ephesians chapter 2 and we can read the first 10 verses and you were dead in trespasses and in sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, 
because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not uh, your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. May the Lord add his blessing to that reading of his own holy and inspired word. Let us now sing to God's praise and sing Psalms number 34. And we're seeing from the beginning of the psalm down to the end of the verse, Mark 7. At all times I will bless the Lord, I'll praise him with my voice, because I glory in the Lord. Let troubled souls rejoice. short time this today I'd like to focus upon some verses in the chapter we read and I'd like to read again from verse 4 to, to verse 6 but God but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus the apostle Paul in his writings and in his speech never um, referred to anybody as a Christian as far as we know and on the few occasions that that word is um, mentioned in the New Testament it is very often in a derogatory way mocking the people who were Christ's ones. <clears throat> but he goes on to have a term that he uses again and again and again. And he uses it of himself in 2 Corinthians 12, where he describes himself as a man in Christ. 
And as we read Paul's letters, we sometimes fail to see the emphasis that is in Paul's letter right through them all. Time and time again, we see this subject of union with Christ. To be a Christian, my friends, is to be a man or a woman who is in Christ. So I want to look briefly at this great subject before us, union with Christ. And it's been likened unto the hub of a wheel, and I hope we'll be able to, yeah. It's been likened to the hub of a wheel, right in the center of the wheel. And we've seen various spokes coming out from that hub. Which if we apply that in a spiritual way, we could say that could be regeneration, effectual calling, faith, repentance, justification, sanctification. Those are like spokes that are coming out from the hub of the wheel. The hub being our union with Christ. A sampling of this magnificent truth. Let us go through some of Paul's, where Paul mentions this. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 4, we receive grace in Christ. Romans 3.24, our redemption is in Christ. Galatians 2.17, we are justified in Christ. Ephesians 4.32, I have forgiveness of sins in Christ. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, we are new creatures in Christ. Romans 8, 32, nobody can separate us from the love of Christ. And these are just a, a, an example of some of them. But if you look it up, where some folk mention there are 67 mentions of in Christ, or 75 others say of mentions in Christ in Paul's letters. But what we can say is that they are right throughout Paul's letters. But God, our text, who is rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones comments on these verses. We have one of the profoundest statements with respect to the condition and position of the Christian that can be found anywhere in Scripture. Man in Christ. We read in the first three uh, verses of this chapter, we read of another man. Uh, a man who is dead in sin. Perhaps there are some here this morning who are not Christians. Well, Paul's description of you this morning is that you are a person who is dead in sin, doomed to a lost eternity in hell. Dominated by the devil. And that's where we were as uh, before we became Christians. Before we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. We were dominated by the evil one. But let us look at what this, these verses speak to us about. We see here what God has done for us. And Paul says in particular... That he has brought us into this amazing position of being joined to Christ, united to Christ. This is something that should really move us this morning. This is something that should really warm our hearts this morning. Christ in you, Christian. The hope of glory. Amazing! Christ dwelling in us by his spirit that's the hope of glory that's the guarantee for the Christian that he is secure in Christ he ca it cannot be changed that relationship cannot be changed we are adopted into God's family. We are joint heirs to Christ. It's not just the name only. It's the position we're in. 
So I want to look at this subject very briefly. It's a massive subject. But I want to look at it briefly this morning for our own help and to strengthen our faith. And to help us in this battle that we're in as Christians. Firstly, the two words. But God. I remember way back, shortly after I was converted, right about 1971, I was stationed in Cameron Barracks uh, in, in Renes, and I was worshipping the Friars. Well, I still worship, but I've been away for a long, I was away a long time. But I remember very clearly a sermon preached that evening by Donald MacDonald, who was the minister, on these two words, but God. And I was, how on earth can he preach a sermon on these two words, but God? But I never forgot it. And I'm finding it here before us this morning. Two small words, but what a difference they can make if we understand what they mean. But God. That should really move us. That should really warm our hearts. But God. These two words of themselves, in a sense, contain the whole gospel. The gospel that tells us what God has done. God's intervention. This shows us that the gospel is not something that's remote from life. Paul has painted a picture in verse 1. A very black picture of man in sin. I don't think it could be any blacker. He's showing us what human sin is. And those who are not Christians are dead in sin. Dominated by the power of the devil. What a horrible situation to be dead in sin. My friend, if that's where you are this morning, I urge you with all of my heart to repent and to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ that we are now going to be looking at and showing each other how precious it is to be united to the Lord Jesus Christ. Something happened, didn't it? A light came into the world. A radiant light came into our hearts who were Christians. We became new creations in Christ Jesus. The light of the glorious gospel came into our hearts. And now for the Christian there is hope and there is great joy. God has done something for us. He's entered into our darkness. And it was God who says, let there be light, and there was light. And as, a, as an aside, by saying these words, they transform every situation in life, do they not? All we face, everything we experience, to say, but God. Something that makes a fundamental change in our lives. Perhaps you may be facing temptation this morning. Or today. And the evil one is there urging you to fall into that temptation. But then you remember, ah, but God, who is my shepherd, who is the one in whom I trust. I cannot go down that way. Perhaps you realize that the one who keeps you in these situations is God. And that is why it's so important for us as Christians to be praying constantly. As the word tells us, praying without ceasing. Because we know the evil one is there trying to hinder us at every point. He whispers in our ears, especially when we bow to pray. Diverts our mind. When we come to read God's word, he tries to move us away so that we will not do it. But we must continue and discipline ourselves to continue to do that. Sometimes we're also guilty of looking at discouragements. Perhaps we're not seeing any great progress in the church. Or perhaps we're not seeing any programs in our Christian lives. And that sometimes brings us to despair when we ought to say, Ah, but God, he is in control. God is on the throne. There are no mistakes in his plan. And his plan is going according to his word. Oh, sometimes we feel so weak, but yet we must come to where we get strength, and that is to God. My flesh and heart does faint and fail, 
Oh my friends, but my God will fail me never. My God calls me home and hath an inheritance for me. But God, my God. What hope there is, what joy there is for the Christian. But what despair for the person who doesn't know this God as his Lord and Saviour. What terror for those who are not yet Christians. But secondly, let us look at the salvation that we are duty-bound as Christians to understand. You see, the Apostle is not so much concerned to remind the Ephesians of something that is going to happen to them. But he wants to remind them of what has already happened in their experience and what their present position as Christians is. So let me ask the question in opening up this text. What is a Christian? Well, there are probably a number of answers you would probably give me. He's a person who goes to church. He's a person who reads his Bible. It's a person who's committed to uh, the Lord. A person who has been declared to be just by God the Father. A person who has been adopted into the family of God. A person who's going through a process. A process of sanctification. Ongoing process. We've been redeemed from being slaves to the devil. But is that all a Christian is? Oh no my friends. All that is true and wonderful. But if that's all we have, all we have is a comparative little view of what it is to be a Christian. And it's vital for us to understand what the Apostle Paul is teaching us here this morning, or today. And I fear this is a doctrine that has been neglected to a large extent in these days. So let us read verses 5 and 6 again. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God made us alive together. We are with Christ. We are in Christ. He is telling us that salvation means union with Christ. Being with him, being in him. Being one with him. Salvation means that God has joined us with his son. And we are tied in with his son. And that, my friends, is forever. Let me quote Professor John Murray. This is his comment on union with Christ. In his great book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. Union with Christ is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. It comes at the very center of what it means to be a Christian. Union with Christ, that is the very center, the hub of the wheel. Thomas Goodwin, who was a Puritan, gives us an excellent illustration to help us understand this doctrine of our union with Christ. And I'm going to read it as it came from his, from his book, Life in Christ. Listen to what Thomas Goodwin the Puritan says. He writes, there are only two men, Adam and Christ. And these two men have all other men hanging from their girdle, or that's a large belt across their middle around their waist and on each belt millions of little hooks and from every hook hangs a human being every human being is hanging from the hooks on one or another of these two everyone who has ever lived or will ever live all without exception is hanging from Adam's belt or Christ's belt we are all born hanging on Adam's belt Every one of us. Born children of Adam. Adam takes us with him. Where Adam goes we go. When he disobeyed in the garden of Eden we disobeyed. When he is condemned by God we were condemned. When he dies 
we die. We are an Adam no matter what we do. We are an Adam no matter how hard we try. We are an Adam. No matter how many prayers we pray or how good we try to be. We are an Adam. No matter how hard we try to please God. We are an Adam. And nothing can ever do anything to change that. We cannot get out of Adam. We are hooked on Adam's belt. And we can't unhook ourselves. There we are. Apart from God's power. There we stay. All that Adam was and did is counted as ours. That is the condition of human beings by nature. Salvation is God unhooking us from Adam's belt onto Christ's belt. So that where we once were in Adam, we are now in Christ. And now hang from Christ's belt. He in turn takes us with him. And when he, he lives a life of perfect obedience on earth, obeying every one of his fa- uh, father's commandments perfectly, we obey in him. Every prayer, every act of obedience, devotion, is counted as ours. We keep the law in him. We obey God in him. We glorify God in him. We keep every commandment perfectly in him. When he goes to the cross, we go to the cross. When he is punished for sin, we are punished in him. When he is buried in the grave, we are buried in him. And when he comes out of the grave, we come out of the grave. And when he raises up to heaven, we rise up to heaven. When he goes into the presence of God, we go into the presence of God. When he sits at the right hand of the Father in glory, we are there with him and none of this is our doing. None of it. It is only because we are with Christ, in Christ, united to Christ. A covenant or an agreement has been made between God the Father and the Son. That he would do this for his people as their representative. Acting on their behalf in their place. And that is exactly what Christ has done. Unquote. And that is from Thomas Goodwin. And I found that very, very helpful as an illustration of what we are by nature. Totally depraved. Until we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Everything that Christ was is counted as ours. That is amazing. Do we really appreciate what that means? And all he suffered is counted as ours. And all that he did is counted as ours. My friends, what a magnificent transaction or exchange. Paul said that we were dead. Now he says we are made alive in Christ. We were, dem- we were dominated at one time by the three enemies of the faith. The world, the flesh and the devil. And now we've been raised up with him into a new and glorious life. We were doomed. Now Paul says we are seated with him secure, resting victorious in the Holy of Holies in the very presence of God where his glory and power are most fully known. My friends, do we appreciate how stupendous our position as Christians really is. All, all that Christ is, is ours. And what is true of him, is true of us because of him. And because within him. Salvation far greater than forgiveness, my friends. Far greater than peace. Far greater than blessing. It's total. It's permanent. We are identified with the Savior. That is why it's so absurd for a believer to think that he can be lost. I remember in Germany in a Sazra Fellowship way back in the 1970s. We had a Sazra Fellowship and this night we were studying the Bible and this woman came in. She was a sergeant's wife and her, she had been taught very badly. She, her understanding was that she had reached out and laid hold of Christ. And she had fallen into some sin and she felt as if she had let go of Christ and was spiraling back into a lost eternity. 
It was so heartening to be able to share with her these great truths that we find in Paul's letters of this position that if we are Christians, we are in Christ. A covenant or an agreement has been made between God the Father and the Son and that, that we would be his people. And we thank God today that we are a people who are Christians, who are united to Jesus Christ, so that everything that Christ is, is ours. You see, a person who is in Christ cannot fall away. Jesus himself tells us that quite clearly. No man shall pluck them out of my hand. There will be no empty chairs in heaven. My friends, we are often too maybe man-centered. I trusted because, and that was this young woman, she trusted because, and she had been badly taught. I am a Christian because I committed myself. No, that's not the gospel. This is what God has done for us, and we need to work this doctrine of the union with Christ into the very fiber of our being. Into the very fiber of our thinking. So that you understand fully what it means to be in Christ. Let me quote Professor John Murray again. The, pers the perspective of God's people is not narrow. It is broad and long. Not confined to space and time. But from the electing love of the Father in the councils of eternity. To final glorification with Christ. And Murray goes on to say this. The former has no beginning, the latter has no end. Her salvation in that sense has no beginning, has no end. Planned before time, before the world was created, before space, before space existed. And it will endure when there will be no more time. When time and space is no more. That's amazing. Our salvation is a magnificent, permanent act of God, changing our whole identity. All his dealings with, her now, with us now are in Christ. The same Christ has overcome every temptation. He was perfectly obedient. My friends, let me tell you, that Christ is in you now. The Jesus who had compassion on the crowds, who healed the sick. That Jesus is in you now. The humble Jesus who led a servant, who led as a servant, who washed his disciples' feet. That Christ is in you now. The Jesus who suffered and loved to the end. He dwells in you. And the Jesus who was raised in new life, that Jesus is living in you right now. My friend, do you realize what resources, what resources you carry around with you? Do you realize that you are never again alone to face whatever you might have to face in life? You'll never be alone. That's why I believe Paul prays for us. Have you ever wondered why Paul prays for us he prays this in one, Ephesians 1.18 that the eyes of, our, of your heart be enlightened and that you may know the hope to which he has called you what are the riches of his glory and inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might and then he also prays in Ephesians 3.17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Yes, you might find it strange that Paul prays for something that is already true about the Christian. But we are to grow up in every way into Christ. It's a process. The metaphor makes clear that we as Christians are already definitively and objectively and now we are to grow up into him experientially and subjectively 
He is Jesus. He is what a human being looks like. Or is supposed to look like. We often look to human as inherently flawed. But I think that's an excuse for our shortcomings. Christ is in us and he now labours to make us more human, not less human. That's what the world would want us to be. Something has changed and something is continually changing in us. That work of sanctification which will go on until we're glorified. Notice how Paul continually mentions Christ. He's alive in Christ. He's a work... In Christ we are his workmanship created in Christ. Paul's constant refrain is Christ Jesus. He was possessed by Christ. Obsessed by Christ. Dominated by Christ. As he says himself, for me to live is Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the source of salvation. It all depends on him. There is salvation, my friends, in no one else. And if you're not a Christian here today, the only place where you will find it is in Christ. So that's what union with Christ means. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you. Is there anything more amazing than that? I think union with Christ touches the highest and most profound truths of the gospel. And at the same time reaches down into the depths of the human heart and fills us with more joy and hope and comfort and strength than anything else can do. Is there any truth we need more today than to learn about this great doctrine of our union with Christ? Jesus knows that it can be hard for us to believe that we are in Christ. How do I know that? Well, if you go to John 17, which is classed very often as the high priestly prayer, perhaps that's why Christ prays in the high priestly prayer. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, they also may be in us, I in them, you in me, so that the world may believe that you have sent me and love them as you have loved me. Wow. That's amazing. My friends, whatever is true of Jesus, in God's eyes, is now true of you. That's union with Christ. It means you are in Christ. No man can come to the Father except through me. The terrors of the law and of God with me can have nothing to do. My Savior's obedience and blood hide all my transgressions from you. Oh, my friends, may God by his Spirit enlighten our eyes today. Enlighten our understanding so that we may begin to comprehend this mighty working of God's power in us. Dare I say that even more wonderful that we are in Christ, that we sit and stand here today. That Jesus is in your body. He is in mine by his spirit. Dare I say that is even more wonderful. That you and I are in Christ in heaven. We need both. We need to remember both. Let us not overlook this New Testament emphasis. Not only is he in us. But praise God that we are in him. That means that we are in that place where we cannot be threatened or hurt or lost. We are secure and we are a people who are kept. Important we keep this at the forefront of our thinking. Especially when we are tempted to indulge in sin. Let us remember when we are indulging in sin, we are taking Christ with us. 
that ought to be a fearful thought to every one of us. I am in Christ and he is in me. What is important today is this. Not what I say. That's not important. But this is what Christ is saying. That's important. As we look for motivation for us Christians how we live our lives from day to day let us remind ourselves continually of who we are. We are in Christ Jesus. The power of sin is broken in him for you. There is nothing you need to get from here by seeing the reality I should say is this that we shall see him face to face that is a reality to have communion with Christ is there anything better My friends, can I just close by saying what a saviour we have. Do we really appreciate that we are a people, a special people, as Christians? And that should motivate us to be like Jesus. I I just came across this story. I was looking for a children's address which I find hard to do. Um, I'm just going to relate the story that I saw in a book that's worth reading. It's on union with Christ that I was reading. <laughs> I thought it was very good. Imagine a little boy wearing his father's dress shirt. And he's standing there in the middle and of course the shirt's way too big. He is already fully clothed, you could see. But he is still a little boy with his father's shirt. He will have to grow up into his new covering until it fits him. In the same way, we are already fully clothed in Christ. But we're growing up into this new reality until it fits. You are not striving to attain it. You are striving to lay hold of what is already yours. You are growing up into it. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. (coughs) Lord, we thank you that you have delivered us in Christ Jesus from the dominion of sin and of death. And you brought us into the reign of grace and light. Help us to daily bathe in this reality. And that you would help us to help one another. And especially those of us often confused, wondering and weak. Lord, we pray that you would help us constantly to bring each other back to this anchor of being united to Christ. That is, in so many ways, gives us stability in our Christian lives. Lord, help us, we pray, to continue as your children shining brightly in a dark and sinful world. Open our eyes, the eyes of our understanding, so that we might see the riches of your grace in Christ Jesus. Amen. Our closing psalm is Psalm 16 in the Scottish Psalter and the last four verses. Before me still the Lord I set, sith it is so that he that ever stand at my right hand, I shall not move it be.
Eternal Father, we thank you for this renewed opportunity of being able to gather again here today. And we pray your blessing to go with us again throughout the day and into this evening. And as we part one from the other, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father,